Hi everybody, um, here we are, another digital message and just want to acknowledge to start out just how it's not ideal and one thing, at least for me and my family that I realized last week was just how much of a blessing it is to meet in person and how much better it is and you know, especially with the people with kids, it's harder, I think, to focus. I uh, didn't realize how much just everybody sitting quietly helps kids just to sit quietly and listen. And and so, miss meeting with you guys for a lot of reasons. Miss seeing you, talking to you, and interacting. And seeing your face is good. So just want to acknowledge that starting out and... Uh, I have already done this a couple times and it didn't go very well, so yeah, <laughs> I uh, recorded this, I showed it to Jess and she said, uh, you're going to need to redo that. And so it's hard and I just, I just want to acknowledge that. And so maybe just to do it a little bit different, uh, hopefully to help, I don't know if it will or won't, feel free to give me feedback on whether it is helpful or not. But rather than me read, it's kind of a long passage to read it all to you. Why don't you try, try something a little different, just pausing the video right now. And what we're going to read is the whole book of Jonah. It's about four chapters. And I know, especially for kids, I, it would be very hard, I think, to focus and listen to me read it for the next couple of minutes. So instead of doing that, why don't we just pause it? And you read the whole book of Jonah, chapters 1 to 4, which is what I'm going to talk about, to your kids. Or if you're there with your family and you don't have kids, just read it out loud. Or if it's just you, just read it and then pray and pray that God would help in this time. And if you have kids, pray with your kids that God would help that the time would be profitable and that he'd be here with us and despite it being not ideal, and thank him that we do have something, and that we can do this, listen, and that there's an opportunity to engage even though we're not meeting in person. So let's try that and see how it goes. I hope it'll be a little bit easier to focus and you get more out of it, and also an opportunity to interact with your kids and ask some questions. So let's do that now. Just go ahead and read Jonah chapters 1 to 4, pause the video, and then when you're done, and pray with, you, with your family, and then when you're done, go ahead and continue the video or the audio. Alright, so that the intent there was that you would read Jonah and you'd pray on your own, and... Let's just pray together real quick before we start. Lord, just do pray that this would be helpful, that you'd be real and near, and thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the book of Jonah. Amen. Well, the first thing I want to talk about just is how strange the book of Jonah really is. It is a bizarre book, and the first at the first reading through it, you think, what is this book really all about? Jonah seems to do everything wrong. Every, he doesn't do the right thing over and over and over. 
And so he starts out by hearing from God, and then instead of listening to God, he runs from God in chapter 1. And then there's this bizarre interaction with the sailors in chapter 1 where they ask him where he's from, and he says, I am a Hebrew, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And that's chapter 1, verse 9. So he's saying, I fear God. He's the God of the whole world. He made the sea and the dry land. And yet, while he's saying that, it appears that he doesn't fear God, right? He's running from God. And it appears he doesn't really believe that God made everything and he's everywhere because he's trying to run from the God who he said made the sea and the dry land. And so he, there's this disconnect with what he's saying and, and how he's acting. And then later on, the sailors, it appears, have more of a fear of God than Jonah. They, in verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, They called out the sailors to the Lord, O Lord, do not let us perish for this man's life, and lay not on us his innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So here they are, the sailors fear God, it seems like. They're fearful to throw Jonah overboard because they don't want God to be upset at them. And it says in verse 16, the men, the sailors, feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So here's Jonah, who should be a prophet of God. He's running from God. He says he fears God, and it doesn't appear that he does. He says he knows God made the whole world, yet he's running from him. And then here come these sailors who don't know God. Um, and they, they fear God more than Jonah appears to right here. And they're more worried about what the, how they're interacting before God than Jonah is, right? Because Jonah's not scared of this uh, being accountable to God for running away, it doesn't appear right here. The sailors seem more concerned. So Jonah gets thrown overboard. He's swallowed by a fish. He prays right before that that God would save him. He does, and then he worships God in the belly of the fish. Thank you for saving me. And then he goes on to Nineveh. God calls him a second time to go to Nineveh. He does, and they repent. Praise the Lord. And if the book ended there, it would almost make sense. And the story would be, God calls you to do something and you don't do it. You should have done it. And when you end up doing it, something good happens and people repent. But the story doesn't end there. Jonah responds in a bizarre way. It says in chapter 4, he's not happy that they repented. He's not happy that God had mercy. Instead, he's exceedingly angry at God. God rebukes him. Do you do well to be angry? And then it causes this plant to grow up and shades Jonah and gives him a little bit of comfort from the heat of the day. And then the plant dies. God sends a worm. And Jonah's angry again at God. And God corrects him again. And then the whole story comes together right here at the, in the last couple of verses. So let's look at that. Uh, verse, starting in chapter 4, verse... 9, what God says to Jonah. And this pulls the whole book together. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Jonah said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city, 
in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. So here's the, here's the key for the whole, understanding the whole book, it seems. And the key is that the whole time, for me, my first reading of it is always looking at Jonah. I'm looking at Jonah the whole time. What is Jonah doing? Why is Jonah doing this? Now, why is Jonah acting this way? Why did they put this story in the Bible about Jonah who does all the wrong things? And this last few verses show us, when God speaks to Jonah, that the whole book hasn't been about Jonah. It has, but if you only look at Jonah, you're missing the big point, which is the book is about God. The book is about God's compassion towards Nineveh. The book is about God's compassion towards Jonah and patience with Jonah. And God here in the last three verses contrasts Jonah's actions and attitude with God's actions and attitude. And that is the whole book. That's the key to the whole book. The whole book is this contrast. Here's, what's God, here's what God is like, and here's what Jonah is like. And in every place where Jonah makes the wrong decision, it shows us how good God is. And that's amazing that the book is called the book, the book of Jonah. And yet, if we just focus on Jonah, we miss the whole point. The point is, it's about God. Jonah's in here just to point us to God. Even his failures point us to God. And so this, these last three verses are the key. Contrasting Jonah and God, how different they are. And how good God is. Look back in chapter 4. One other verse I want you to have in your mind uh, that's really key is what Jonah says about God in chapter 4, verse 2. O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So here's what Jonah knows God is like. These few things. He's gracious. He's merciful. God is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. And he's relenting from disaster. So Jonah in this particular verse is saying he doesn't like that. But this is really what God is like. And these things, these four or five things, are key to looking back at the whole book. And the contrast, Jonah and God, or God and Jonah. And so let's do that. Let's just run back through the whole book and look at, wow, let's see how compassionate, how gracious, how merciful, how slow to anger, how abounding and steadfast love God is in this whole book. So let's go back to chapter 1. And on the one hand, we have Jonah. We'll start there. Jonah runs from God when God doesn't do what Jonah wants. Jonah doesn't want God to send him to Nineveh. Jonah doesn't want God to spare Nineveh. And yet, look at God. What does God do? While Jonah's running from God, God does exactly the opposite. Jonah's not doing what God wants. Is God going to run from Jonah and say, you know what? I don't want anything to do with Jonah if he doesn't want to do what I want him to do. Which is exactly what Jonah says about God. Jonah says, if God doesn't do what I want him to do, then I'm just not going to have anything to do with God. I'm going to run from him. But look what God does. He pursues Jonah when Jonah is doing what he doesn't want him to do, when he's not listening. It's amazing. Jonah's 
faithlessness towards God highlights God's faithfulness towards Jonah. Jonah should have been drawing near to God. He runs from him. And yet, God draws near to Jonah. He pursues him. He comes after them. He sends a storm. He doesn't let him go. What a faithful God. It's his steadfast love, isn't it? The steadfast love of God. Even when his people run from him, aren't doing what they ought to be doing, what he wants them to do. He's pursuing them. And he's saying, come back, turn around. And he's sending circumstances into their life to turn them around like this storm and these sailors. It's amazing. The, the failure of Jonah, him doing the wrong thing, highlights, wow, what a good God that pursues people that are running from him, that are doing what they know they shouldn't be doing. What a full of steadfast love to love somebody even when they're running from you. They don't want anything to do with you. That's a good God. Well, what else in chapter 1? Jonah doesn't listen to God, right? That's just basic. God says, here, go to Nineveh. Jonah doesn't listen. He doesn't go to Nineveh. He goes the opposite direction. So God calls to Jonah, and Jonah doesn't listen. Now, there's that's one side, but what's on the other side? What does God do? God... God does exactly the opposite of Jonah. Look in chapter 2, what God does. Chapter 2, verse 2. This is what, uh, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of the Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. It's the opposite. <laughs> Jonah doesn't listen to God when he calls. And yet... When Jonah cries out to God, God listens. He hears. It's amazing. What a gracious and merciful God. It would be easy for God to say, Jonah won't listen to me. I'm not going to listen to him. You didn't listen to me when I called you to go to Nineveh. I'm not going to listen to you when you cry out to me from, from in the ocean, cast into the deep. And yet, that's not what God's like. God is full of grace. Jonah doesn't deserve at this point for God to hear his prayer and answer his prayer. He's doing all the wrong things. And yet at the very moment where he's running from God, where he's doing all the wrong things, God hears his prayer. He draws near and he saves him. What mercy, not giving Jonah what he deserves. What grace, giving him something he doesn't deserve, salvation here. And that's what God is like, isn't it? Isn't that the way God is with us, too? Can't we say that? We weren't near to God. We were running from God. We were doing all the things we know we shouldn't do. And yet, God, in his sovereign goodness and love, came down and arrested us, sought us, sought us out. He followed us, pursued us when we weren't pursuing him. And he saved us when we didn't deserve it. All that time, years and years in our life, not listening to God, and yet, when we cried out, God, save me. Save me from my sin. He, he heard us and he changed us and he met with us. That's a gracious God. It's amazing. What a good God. The God of Jonah is a good God. He's pursuing this person filled with faults and failures and loving him so well, patient. Well, what else? In chapter 1, 
Jonah doesn't want Nineveh to have another chance to hear, does he? That's what he says in chapter 4. He says that that's why he didn't want to go is because he knew God wouldn't, he knew God would relent of disaster and be compassionate and he didn't want that. He didn't want Nineveh to have another chance to hear God and to hear the word repent and to have that opportunity. And yet, that's Jonah. Jonah doesn't want to give, give these people another chance. He feels like they've had enough chances. But look at God in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. How does God act? Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call it against it, the message that I tell you. Jonah doesn't want to give Nineveh a second chance. He doesn't want them another chance to hear and turn. And what does God do? God gives Jonah a second chance to hear and to do what God asked him to do, to turn from his sin and to do what God asked him to do. It's amazing. He doesn't want to give second chances, and God wants to give him second chances. The goodness of God contrasted with the bitterness of Jonah. Well, there's there's a lot more. Let's just keep moving. Chapter 4, uh, and, and it makes it clear why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He was upset. Chapter 4, verse 1. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. It displeased Jonah that they repented and weren't destroyed. Jonah wanted Nineveh to be destroyed, and that's why he didn't want to go. How sad. It's very sad. And yet, look at the goodness of God. God wants Jonah to be spared from disaster. And he wants Nineveh to be spared. Despite their sin. So Jonah's thrown into the sea and God saves him. He spares him. Nineveh is about to be destroyed and God sends Jonah to, to proclaim repentance. And then he relents from, his, from disaster. He doesn't bring destruction on them because they heard what a good God so unlike Jonah he doesn't want to destroy he doesn't want to destroy Jonah he doesn't want to destroy Nineveh let's keep going I mean so far we've covered so much we've covered God's steadfast love and the way he treats Jonah covered his grace and mercy in the way he treats Jonah. We covered his grace and mercy in the way he treats Nineveh. He he sends someone, he listens to their to their repentance, he relents from disaster. So these are all the things that Jonah described God, how Jonah described God. And there's one still that we haven't covered yet, which is slow to anger. Slow to anger, and we do see that in Nineveh how God gave him 40 days and a warning, 40 days, and then Nineveh will be destroyed. So there's slow to anger, one last warning, and there's more. Look at chapter 4. Again, we're contrasting Jonah with God. So in chapter 4, Jonah is angry with God. He's angry with God twice. First, 
At the beginning of chapter 4, he is angry that God didn't destroy Nineveh. And God says to him, in, cha in chapter 4, verse 4, do you do well to be angry? So there's God slow to anger. He's slow to anger towards Jonah, even though Jonah's angry with him. Jonah's angry with God. God is slow to anger with Jonah. And not only that, it happens a second time. Jonah gets angry again because the plant dies, and he's angry with God. He's, he's exceedingly angry, much more angry than he should be. He says in chapter 4, verse 8, When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint, and he asked that he might die, and said, It is better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? He's angry again. He's very angry at God about this plant dying. And God asks him again, do you do well to be angry? God is so slow to anger with Jonah. This is amazing. How many times does God Almighty have to call down and tell someone go or tell someone, uh, should you really be angry? He, he only has to do it once. He doesn't have to do it again, and yet he does. He does it again. He doesn't even have to do it once, I guess you could say. Because Jonah knows he shouldn't be acting like this. And yet God is slow to anger. What a good God to cry out to an, a man that's angry at him. To, to call out to him and to point that out. And then to do it again the next day. The very next day he's angry again. God is slow to anger. And Jonah's not. And then last, just... This is the big picture. Jonah is not a picture of steadfast love. Jonah's back and forth. He's all over the place. He's not doing what God wants. He gets in the belly of the whale. He cries out to God thankful. And then he's back again before we know it, up on the hill waiting for Nineveh to be destroyed and upset that it's not been. God calls out to him and then again he's angry again. He's back and forth. He's all over the place. He's not full of steadfast love towards God. And yet what is God like? God shows steadfast love to everyone in this book. He shows steadfast love to Nineveh. He shows steadfast love to the sailors in sending someone and sending this outward um, sign, really, of God's reality that brings a fear of God to them. And he shows steadfast love towards Jonah the whole time, all the way through the book, from the beginning to the end. He's showing patient, steadfast love despite Jonah. It's amazing. So how do we apply this? This contrast of Jonah. He's not gracious. He's not merciful. He's not slow to anger. He's not full of steadfast love. And God, who's so gracious, so merciful, so full of steadfast love. Who relents from disaster. How do we apply this? Well, we can just praise God for who he is. What a wonderful God. Who loves when we don't love him, who's patient, who's kind, who's slow to anger when we're angry, who's full of steadfast love when we aren't. He's a good God. We can just praise him. This, this God, the God of Jonah, looks a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Just bearing with patiently all these people who are so full of faults, failures, and sin and trying to lead them on despite their over and over and over failing. We can just praise God. We can praise God for Jesus. Aren't you glad that we have a prophet not like Jonah? 
that we've been sent a messenger totally unlike Jonah. We've been sent someone who is filled with steadfast love, who is compassionate, who is slow to anger. And that's Jesus, the greater than Jonah. Three days and three nights in, in the earth instead of in the fish and proclaiming repentance. Much a greater than Jonah, I'm thankful for Jesus. What else, how else can we apply it? We can hope and pray that God would use us to glorify himself despite our many false sins and failures. You know, the, this book was written by Jonah, probably. So Jonah, later on, looking back, wrote down all his faults and his failings for us to, to read about. Why? The whole point of the book is pointing out the goodness of God and it's contrasting it with the failure of Jonah. And Jonah wrote it. Jonah proclaimed to everyone, look how messed up I was and how unlike God I was, but look how good God was. And we can just pray, you know, with our kids, growing up and seeing our faults and our failings, that even when they do, even when all our faults and our failures are out for everyone to see, we can say, God, would you use that to show that you're not like that? When I get upset, show that you, you're you slow to anger. When I vacillate, show that you're unwavering in your steadfast love. Not only that, we could pray that God would use us for the good of others despite our many faults and failures. Just like he did Jonah. Can't we expect that despite all of our sin and our imperfect obedience that God would bless us and use us to point others to him if he used Jonah? If he used Jonah and he did all the wrong things, he, he didn't love the people like he should have, he wasn't compassionate, he wasn't... He wasn't doing what God wanted him to do, and yet God used him in the sailor's life, used him in, in, in the life of the city of Nineveh. We can pray with expectation, God, despite all my sins and failings, would you use me to, would you use me for the good of others? And we can expect that. The God that blessed Jonah can bless us too. In terms of a bless, a blessing, making us a blessing to help others. What else? How else do we apply it? Let's thank God for his patience with us. Just like Jonah, we are so slow. I'm so slow to learn many of the lessons God's teaching. And he has to tell me over and over and over. Praise God for patience, his patience with us. And then finally, we can apply it by just asking us, asking ourselves, just like God asked Jonah at the very end of the book, is there any area where my compassion is at odds with God's? where I'm not compassionate, where I don't want uh, mercy and, and, and I don't love people the way God does and just ask him and confess that. That's a prayer that I want to pray more is, God, I just confess I don't love these people like I should. I don't feel filled, filled with love for them. Would you help me? I know you do. Would you fill me with your love? That's a prayer that would be good to pray every day, surely every day. We encounter someone that we don't love like we should and just to recognize it and say, God, you love this person so much. Would you help me to love them more? So that's that's it for today. A little bit longer. I hope it was helpful just to see what a good God we serve. Patient, grace, gracious, merciful, abounding in steadfast love. Why don't we pray together? God, thank you so much 
just for a few minutes to look at this book and and praise you for who you are, your good God. Forgive us for all the ways we fall short and aren't compassionate or, or so not gracious the way you are. Would you help us? Would you fill us with steadfast love and, and highlight for us your steadfast love? We want to depend on it more and more. Thank you for your patience with us. I do pray, God, that you would use us despite our sins and our, our failures and our faults to be a blessing in others' life and to point others to you. Thank you for your patience, God. You're good. You're a good God. And we just ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.